What does a Denny's waitress, a coffee bean with barista and a Burger King cashier all have in common? Well, they all had moments where they didn't believe in themselves. They all had moments where other people didn't believe in them. And they all had moments where the negative voice was screaming that they weren't good enough. And they all went on to build and run billion dollar empires. What's up guys, I'm Lisa Billy, and my very first job was as a Burger King cashier. I then got married where I became a housewife for eight years and I lost myself completely. Until Quest. I rolled up my sleeves and started hand cutting bars and shipping them from my living room floor. And while well, we grew at 57,000%, we're announced as the second fastest growing company in North America. And we went from zero to worth a billion dollars within five years. But the growth I'm most proud of is that I went from not believing in myself to failing and learning and building enough confidence to realize I am the hero of my own life. Speaking of heroes, I am beside myself excited to introduce to you the utter freaking badass, Dear Sims. This woman went from making smiley faces on the lattes as a coffee beanery barista to working in the Department of Defense. But when she decided to give it all up and go and be a personal assistant for Sean Puffy Combs, well, everyone thought she was nuts and the judgment and negativity came flooding in. But she didn't listen. She worked tooth and nail to overcome hurdles, insecurities, failures, and obstacles, and worked her way up to grow Ciroc Ultra Premium Vodka 1000%, taking it from an unprofitable, obscure brand to a 2 billion retail value, making it one of the most recognized vodka brands on the planet. But guys, she wasn't done. She then went on to become the very first ever president of Sean Combs Enterprise in 2017, and now serves as the CEO of Lebos. 1707 Tequila, a new independent spirit brand with LeBron James. And finally, Wonder Woman herself, Jamie Kern Lima. She went from a Denny's waitress to become a successful news anchor. But with a skin condition rosacea, there was no amount of makeup that was able to hide the blotches under the hot lights. So she decided to make her own. But no one would carry her product. Hearing no became her nighttime lullaby, and the word who would buy makeup from someone that looked like you was the harmony. But she saw that her product, It Cosmetics, was helping thousands of women feel better about themselves. And so she just refused to quit. She believed in it. And that belief took her from serving up pancakes at Denny's to serving up a billion dollar empire on a platter to L'Oreal, who purchased her company for $1.2 billion. And now she is serving up impact with her number one book at Barnes & Noble, Believe It. So guys, it is my absolute honor to have partnered with our good friends, Philly, to bring you this very special panel edition. So lean in because we're about to go deep on what it actually takes to have a dream and then build the confidence and resilience to make that a reality. Welcome to Women of Impact. What up, ladies? What's up, Lisa? Thank you. Dia, am I right? Lisa gives the best intros of anyone ever. <laughs> so good. No, like, Lisa gives, like, historical, like, top-notch, like, the best intros ever. Like, this is how I immediately fell in love the first time we met. I was like, what kind of, what kind of, like, intelligence you have? Like, the research was so incredible. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. let me tell you guys, seriously, when I grew up, I don't know about you, but growing up, there weren't women like you guys around that I could model myself over. There weren't women that I could look up to and actually um, learn the real no BS of what it takes to get where you guys are. And having met you guys, the reason why I do my intros like I do is to just show the amount of incredible honor I have for you guys because of what you've achieved. Now, here's the thing. It is so sad how rare it is to have women who have been behind billion dollar brands. And so the goal hopefully here is to really shake that up. And so I want to talk about, Jamie, obviously you've written your book, Believe It. It is so no BS of what it takes to get where we are. And so I have a quote that I have in my head that is prepare the child for the road not the road for the child. And what I mean by that is I am sensing and seeing in society today that we're trying to sugarcoat things or make things seem okay. Like just love yourself and you'll get to the goal. The truth is none of us have sat there and just loved ourselves, right? It has been an ongoing effort and um, work to look at our insecurities, our negative voices, all the things we've had to go through. So I really want to just dive right in and ask whoever can think of an answer first. Why do you think most female entrepreneurs will fail? Mm. That's a great question. Um, I'm happy to jump in. I think, well, I think it's a bigger macro issue at play, right? And that to your point about things being sugarcoated, there's been a massive like propaganda at play. Like certain things I actually thought were true that like women with more carry in the workplace or like things that like I've really experienced in real life but you're very much taught that growing up. So if you go into owning your own business, starting your own business with all of these ridiculous preconceived notions about women being too emotional to make significant decisions or having to oh, have too much going on in their lives um, to be able to actually effectively run a business and have a no-nonsense approach or that there's only room for one woman for any spot. So you need to ensure that all the other women are kept down. Um, if you're trying to become an entrepreneur and you haven't subscribed to even half of the ludicrous amount of propaganda about this just fake news uh, about women in business, you unfortunately, if you really believe any of that, you could be your own biggest enemy on that journey as you describe it on that road. Mm, I think that's so good, Dia. I, I think know, that's Jamie, so true. Yeah, yeah, I agree with all that. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, like I talk a lot about, you know, my whole journey of going for, from underestimated um, to unstoppable. But I think to your point, Dia, half the time it's us underestimating ourselves, mm-hmm. <laughs> believing all the stuff out there that that isn't true. And, you know, I think at the heart and soul of it, um, one of the things where we're all, the three of us and, and, and so many other women right now are working on overcoming really is uh, learning how to trust our gut. I think a lot of women uh, make decisions by consensus. We're kind of raised, right? Mm-hmm. To kind of be like, someone asks us a, a question and we we get consensus. So what is there? Or, or we want to wait until we think we're going to do everything perfectly before we even try. And I think, you know, something Lisa, you said right off the bat that I was like, yes, is I've never heard it said this way. I've never heard you say this before. But you said when you were doing my intro, you said that I, I went on and had like a lullaby of nose or lullaby of rejection. Never heard that before. That is so powerful because I think 
I think anytime we take a risk and step out of our comfort zone, launch our business, want to make it to the C-suite, want to want to command teams for a bigger vision, uh, it's a rough road. And I think a lot of people talk themselves out of their own truth because of their, their own self-doubt in their head, and they're not ready to hear that lullaby of rejection or that lullaby of no's. And I think women being afraid of that often and wanting to do it perfect so they never even end up doing it is what prevents a lot of women in their own heads from stepping into all of who they are and all of who they can be as a leader, all of who they could be in a C-suite, all of who they can be launching their own thing. So I feel like that's a big thing too, is, is figuring out how to overcome that fear of hearing no and hearing rejection, that fear of failure and like literally trying to flip the switch in our own head and embrace it. Like I've gotten to the point now, no joke. And listen, it still hurts my feelings. It hurts my feelings when I get rejected, which happens almost every day. <laughs> it hurts my feelings when friends don't show up for me. But at the end of the day, I'm pretty fearless about rejection. And I, I let it roll right off me now because I'm so used to it. But I feel like had I ever like, been afraid of it, I never would have been able to, to, to get past myself and keep going all the times I got knocked down on that journey of building a billion dollar company. Yeah, that's so true. And that's the thing, like when I even think about just myself, I don't say this to put myself down, but I don't think of myself as being special at all. Like you look back at where I was in Scott, I was put in a special class, mild dyslexia. And so it's not even about what is someone's special talent and how to you know oh I, I have a special talent business no I don't I have had to cultivate like what you're saying Jamie in always getting back up in how do you not let rejection stop you it's not the fact that um we are all absolute geniuses and if you took our IQs we would score you know not not to put anyone down but like that we would score high like <laughs> Einstein right it's like but there is a secret source like and even kind of in prep with this the one thing that I was telling you guys is I don't want to talk about you know building a company like the structure P&Ls and going public and things like that that all things you can do courses it's to me ABC you have to follow it through but why don't people actually get there it's because of the emotional things that we have to face on the freaking daily so dear talk to me because I know that you've had many people where they doubted you they overlooked you because you're a woman and you could have stopped but you didn't so what was that, that thing inside you that you can tell people right now listening where they're like I have the spirit but I keep falling and I can't get back up so Lisa, it's two things to me that are really important that you just hit on, right? So the first is around like, are we really, this idea that you have to be super special or there's some level of exceptionalism that doesn't live inside of all of us. So and maybe I'm too um, like dry, matter of fact about this, but it helps me, right? When you know that all, every single human being has 99.5% the same genome pattern, right? So if aliens come look at us, they're like, why are these ants fighting with each other? They're indistinguishable. <laughs> and the like the good news, like the praise news about that is that that means we have the same capacity for excellence and for abundance, right? So it's not some, I've been fortunate to be in rooms with women like you both or royalty or, you know, multi-billionaires or people who are, who are objectively geniuses. But I have really been like, maybe this guy could get this in eight hours because he's a math genius. It might take me three weeks, but I have the capability inside me because that's just science, right? So I think it's important when you think about 
what you're scared of, you are not that different. Then there are certain special exceptions of the world, of course, but for the most part, 99.5%, we have living with the same capacity. So that to me helps me think through like, well, I could do this. Of course, it's within me if I can do this or I can't do it. And the other thing is redefining what risk means. Um, there's this thought that, well, it's very safe to keep my job. Now, I, I'm going to tell some stats because this is just something in the world that I live in that are very specific to like the Black American population in the United States. But I think it applies broadly to any underserved population for women, right? So women as well. Um, so as an example, in America right now, the average white American is worth 13 times what the average Black American is worth in the United States, total population. When you pull out uh, business owners, that multiple drops to three times. Within that group of business owners, of Black, like the average Black business owner is worth 12 times what the average Black non-business owner is worth. So is it really more risky to go start your own business? I don't, it's actually not. And I think the idea that um, we want to think about changing your life and having some level of ownership doesn't mean you have to go out and build with bricks a 60 floor building, but whether it's managing your portfolio, whether it's the way you invest, whether it's having your own franchise, you know what I mean? Whether it's owning more real estate, but having some level of entrepreneurship and ownership that you can control, I actually think is the safer road and redefining what you think risk is in your life. Jamie, what do you think? Talk to me about risk. You have taken so many risks, girl, especially when QVC came knocking on your door. Finally, you got them and you had like less than a thousand dollars in your bank account and you basically had the choice, right? Like not take the risk or go all in and potentially um, fold? Yeah, I think, um, I think it comes down to like literally learning to hear our own truth and trusting it. And that's risky. That feels risky. I think especially, you know, I hear from so many women every single day. They're like, I don't even know how to hear my own intuition anymore. Or it's been a long time since I've heard it. Or I trusted my gut once and it was wrong. All those things, right? I feel like, I feel like when it comes to risk, um, it's a risk. The greatest risk is to not trust yourself. Uh, and when I look back over, you know, the, the, the last, especially decade of my life, I've made so many mistakes. Right. And, and, and also done some, some stuff really right. <laughs> and, and I, when I look at both, they usually come down to you. Uh, the mistakes I made are when someone gave me advice and I knew it didn't really feel right, but they were the expert and I just like, okay, you know what, they know what they're doing. And I, and I, and I went with it. Uh, and then the other, you know, in the times I didn't listen to my own gut is usually when I made my, my biggest mistakes. Um, and similarly, the example you just gave, yeah, that's usually the times when for me, uh, they're the life defining moments. So, you know, we, after a couple of years of hearing no from everybody, you know, I'd launched this business in my living room and uh, poured all, all my money into the product itself. And then I just thought, oh, as an entrepreneur, when, when you have a great product, it's just going to sell. And then I learned that it's not so easy and, uh, and spent three years just hustling, like couldn't afford to hire anyone. Uh, and so, you know, Lisa and Dia, I think you both know this story, but in the early years, like I would use my middle name because I was like, I, I couldn't hire anyone. So my middle name is Marie. So Marie got her own email address at itcosmetics.com. Marie would be emailing like uh, uh, Good Morning America saying our founder is available for an interview. And Marie would have customer service. I mean, we were so scrappy. And 
after three years of no, um, and we were surviving like two to three orders a day on our website was keeping the lights alive in our office, which was our living room. Um, and, and we finally got this big yes to get this one shot on QVC. And I learned I'd have to bring in 6,000. I'd have to pay for a manufacturer, et cetera. So we had to borrow money to be able to do this. Um, and 22 banks said no. The 23rd bank gave us an SBA loan just to cover the amount of this, to fund this purchase order. Um, for 6,000 units of our product that I had to sell in a 10 minute window live on QVC. So long story short, our whole business, like everything kind of came down to this one moment, this one shot that we had to either hit the sales goal, or if we didn't hit the sales goal in this one shot on QVC, it was a consignment deal. So I'd have to take all the inventory back and we wouldn't be paid for it, which meant I would go out of business um, and go bankrupt. So everything was on the line. And the reason that I... I share that is because in that journey, I learned one of the most, uh, for me, profound lessons I've ever learned in my whole life, also my career as it pertains to taking risk and, and our own gut, um, because we hired these outside consultants that are amazing, our third-party consultants. They help a ton of people sell on television and in stores, and they've changed a lot of lives. They're good at what they do. Uh, but they all told me the same thing, right? So I'm someone with rosacea. I'm someone who created product because nothing out there would work for my skin type. And I said to them like, okay, if I get one shot, I want to show my bare face and I want to prove live. I don't need to Photoshop anything. I want to prove live how this product works. And, and let me show women of every different age and size and skin tone and skin challenge. And like, like, and let me prove live on TV, how the product, and they thought I was insane. Like, they're like, listen, cause at the time this hadn't ever been done. And they're like, if you want to have a chance at, at, at hitting those sales numbers, which is almost impossible anyway, but if you want to have a shot at, at, at winning <laughs> and being invited back, here's what you need to do. You need to have this type of model, all perfect skin, all the, and I'm like, in this position in life, and I think these are the moments that define our life, where I'm sitting there where my gut is telling me one thing, yet the experts in this case were telling me another. And I literally flew out to QVC a week before I got this one shot. This was September 2010, the week before. And I sat in the parking lot, praying, crying, like not like, cause it felt so much. I felt like everything was coming down to this one moment. And there were moments where like self-doubt crept into my head where I was like, okay, well, if I do it their way first and then I get invited back, then maybe I'll try it my way after that. But it's like, at the end of the day, you can't fake authenticity. Right. And I, I, I came down to this moment in that car where I was imagining it was really a, a, a trusting myself thing. I was imagining like who that person was that was going to turn on their television and watch me. And I had this moment where I realized like, I'd rather her turn on her TV, see me showing my bright red skin, show, showing all these women that look like her, calling them beautiful, meaning it, even if she never bought anything, like I'd rather try to stand for something in that moment than sell a whole crap load of products and stand for nothing. And I was like, I knew what I had to do, but it is scary. Those moments in life are scary when nothing around us tells us our gut is right. Like at that moment in time, I didn't have proof of any, anything that my business was going to succeed or that like for three years, all of the retailer store, all the retailers were saying, no, I was only selling two to three orders a day. So I didn't have any proof even directly on my own website sales that it was going to work. And it was kind of like, it all came down to this one big 
moment. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'd made the decision to trust myself. And, you know, when the, when the camera went on and we had that 10 minute segment and I remember that my bright red bare face <laughs> on national television and we got down to the last minute and the host is like the deep shade's almost gone the tan shade's almost sold out and I remember the moment the big sold out sign came up across the screen on QVC and I was bawling my eyes out uh they cut and I think I don't know what they went to like a vacuum or iPhone or something next after <laughs> me and my my husband came rushing through the double doors he's like we're not going bankrupt and I'm like real women have spoken I was like sobbing and that one airing turned into five that year, 101 the next year. And, you know, I've done over a thousand live QVC shows now. We built the largest beauty brand in QVC's history. And it is right now at this moment. Uh, but it was three years of them saying no. And when I look back on the journey, that single moment of making the decision to trust myself, I feel like completely, those are the moments where we either like step into the person we're born to be, or we talk ourselves out of it. And we mm -hmm. talk ourselves out of our own truth. And so for me, I feel like the biggest risk, it, it feels risky to trust ourselves, but I think the biggest risk is not trusting ourselves. And I think that's universal for every, every person. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That maybe not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa 
all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. Okay, so let's actually take that as truth. So let's say there are people right now, because you even said, right, like we don't know how to trust our gut. It becomes over time, you try something, you see if it works, you don't, you go with your gut more. But everyone on this call, you know, I started my whole intro with, we all had something to lose, right? Risk. Dee, you said it earlier, risk, risk, risk. You left your job, people thought you were nuts, you're gonna go be a personal assistant to like Puff Daddy, what the hell are you doing? You're in like, you know, Department of Defense. Um, You know, same with you, Jamie, what do you mean you're gonna put your last thousand dollars on the line? Same with me, what do you mean you're gonna put your house on the line for a freaking protein bar company that you guys have no idea? Now, the beautiful thing is, in those three stories, it all worked out. Doesn't mean that was easy, but it pretty worked out, right? Now, what about all the risks we all took that didn't freaking work out, that were behind the scenes? And that's the thing that I also want people to know, right, is that in the stories we tell, this is the risk that panned out. But what about the risks that did fail? How did you guys actually get back up? Because that's the thing. It's not that we risked it once, trusted our gut, and we freaking scored it. It was the fact that we fell got back up, fell, got back up, took a risk here, failed, took a risk here. And I really do, like, I I mourn all the incredible female entrepreneurs that just stopped. Like, women that could be badass, freaking be building these empires, but they just stopped after risk number five because they couldn't take it anymore. But it's the fact that I think we kept going, we kept going, that allowed us to get to the risk that paid off. So... In those moments where you risk things and things really do fall apart and I'm always, you know, perspective is everything. So if we can look back and say, how was the best thing that has ever happened to us? The truth is in that moment, it freaking sucks. And the truth is in that moment, we're beating ourselves up. We're telling ourselves we're no good. So what can we say right now to other women that are watching us, watching you girls that are like, I've fallen back down. I don't know if I can get back up. What is that thing that allows you to keep getting back up? I'm now 45. So I'm going to say in my early 20s, I was working in radio sales for what was in Clear Channel. And in radio sales, it's like eat what you kill. Um, so uh, everything you have, you get a little bit of a flat amount, but if you don't sell enough to cover it, you owe that money back. So I was like, a tw- you know, as my young 20s, it's hard. It's like gangster. I was, at some point, I was like, I-, I should just sell crack. Like this is, I'm just hustling. Like what- what's happening? But I started to build a, uh, you know, a business and got great advertisers. And um, after doing it for like, not long, I'm doing it for like nine months. I was like, well, why am I doing this for somebody else? Right? I was like, I could, why, why don't I do this for myself? So I quit. Um, I quit and launched a marketing company with some friends. And uh, called Madison Marketing Inc. So we would call it Mink, which is obviously I was 20, <laughs> I was, I was 23 or whatever. <laughs> so um, we were, I think, reasonably successful for a while for that age. We were doing big events. Um, interestingly, it was the first time I got into spirits. Is how I like, kind of found it. Looking back, kind of also like, I think the other thing that is really useful, easier to say at this point, is there's a lot of things that I learned in things that don't seem to make sense for the job I have now, but were really, really useful. So I launched a marketing company to like throw events, but I ended up learning a lot about the liquor industry, ended up getting Seagram's as a client and started doing like promotions for them. And I started to learn a lot, which didn't become useful again for like another, you know, 12 years, but it was a good foundation at the time. But to your point about just giving up, 
after a while, I was kind of like nervous about like, well, I don't have health insurance and my, you know what I mean? And like, this is, you know, my mother has multiple sclerosis. So I firsthand had dealt with like arguing with, you know, insurance and going in and out of hospitals and started to just get really concerned about like, we're doing, a, I'm doing kind of okay, but it's real month to month. And I just started looking for jobs. There wasn't any like horrible cliff moment of like, I had a, it was just more like, I don't know if this is a real sustainable proposition and I don't feel good about living kind of week to week. So I, I just like went to look for a job. And then at the time I was like, I'll get a job and still do both. And then the job, and I started doing my job and I just kind of stopped working on our company and it just dissipated. Um, and, you know, I said it to say, it's not always as easy as like, you start a business. Like there are serial entrepreneurs who just like start businesses until they win. I didn't have that path. I started something, went to work for somebody, went to work for somebody, kind of did a little something, went to work, you know, I kept going on and on. I think, I think actually going back to working for Pop, who is such a, you know, he's an example of entrepreneurship, re, like really re-inspired me to be like, wait a minute, like I, I want to have my own ownership too. I really love what I'm learning here. But from here, I want to take the same chances again. But that was another 15 years later after launching the first, you know, the other company. So, I mean, I share that to say that, like, it was scary and, and, and nerve wracking. And I didn't just keep going until it worked. I stopped and went to go learn some other things and then started again. What I freaking love about that story is what's lying there is every stage of your life, you picked up a lesson, right? So it's like, oh, I did this. I picked up a lesson. And, oh, I picked up marketing, right? So it's like when all of a sudden you see Sorok and you're like, guys, this, this is a freaking massive brand and it's going nowhere. Let me take a hold of it. It's like you brought your entire 15 years of unintentional lessons to the table. And I freaking love that. Being able to walk away from any situation, whether it was a nine to five, like even with me, with I was a housewife for eight years. I never look back and go, well, that was a total waste of my life. Now, the secret thing is it actually was, but I see empowerment in it. And how I see empowerment in it is I'm not going to spend eight years and one freaking day doing something I don't want to do. So that's how I use the lesson of the eight years to apply to me now. So Jamie, um, yeah, what, what lesson do you have from past failures that have you've actually been able to bring into your company and now your number one selling book. Yeah, I think that, you know, one of the biggest things that I have learned that has continued to uh, happen over and over and over is that so many times like our setbacks are really are really our setups for, for what's to come, right? To piggyback on what Dia was just saying. It's like, I look at so many of the times I failed, uh, the times I got back up, the times I, I swapped careers, all those things. And I feel like every one of those times, like literally every one of those times, even when it sucked at the time, even when it didn't make sense at the time, even when I feel like, oh, I just failed pretty bad that time. Like, I look back and they all make you strong enough to, to like carry the weight of your successes to come. Because when you hit a big win with something, it's not like it's easy. Like the stronger, the bigger the win comes with also equally big opposition and equally big weight to carry and equally bigger team and big, you know, you need to be a bigger leader and, and a bigger visionary and, and it keeps building. And I think that you know, the other day I, I did a big uh, launch event for my book. It was this week, so 48 hours ago. And 
Robin Roberts was one of the people I interviewed for it from Good Morning America. And she said something so profound that I want to share here because it really helped put in perspective for me too. She said, you know, listen, so many of us have goals and dreams and we're working toward them. And she said of all the things she's accomplished in her life, right? All the awards. I mean, she wakes up America every single day, millions of people, all the things she's accomplished in sports, everywhere else, that the things that fill her soul that she gets, that she's most proud of are the things she's overcome. Mm-hmm. And when she said that, I'm like, that's so good because so often we sit here and we're like, oh, I'm not getting traction here. I just failed there. I just, all the things, but it's like, oh, the seasons we're in that feel like setbacks or the seasons we're in where it's just like stuff's not going our way. Like, and when we get through those seasons, they end up in so many ways being the things we've overcome uh, that we can be most proud of. So I think when we approach it that way, it helps us be so much more, uh, it helps us have the right mindset to keep going um, and, and to see it from that perspective as well. God, I love that so much. Um, I know that we're closing in on time. Oh no. Um, so the one thing, the last question I actually want to ask you guys is, again, I'm really trying to get into the minds of other people and think about how we can empower them to really go after it. And the one thing I want to make sure that we don't ever do is come across like we've got all our shit together and we know everything and now we're great. Um, and so I'm going to go first and I'm going to, I want to say the thing that I'm still struggling with because I think it could be quite impactful for other people to see, even though we've achieved, you know, successes that on the daily, we still struggle with our own realities of life. So for me, it really is my negative voice. No matter what happens, I still think I'm not good enough. Um, it sometimes I wouldn't say cripples me it sometimes does um, give me heart palpitations but in those moments of it giving me heart palpitations I remind myself that's my superpower I remind myself that it's a negative thought that allows me to be to show up every day and prove myself wrong so while I still try and overcome it I have tried to adapt it and shift it into using it as a superpower if you will um So I want to say to you ladies, if you can share what thing you still feel that you're struggling with, working to overcome, um, and how you can use that as a potential superpower. Um, I just had something the other day. So I I work closely with a a woman I've worked with for like 15 years. And uh, one of our like really big investors had reached out about something. And I think oftentimes the thing that you're trying to overcome is like the opposite of the thing you're good at. Right. So I think I tend to believe everything is possible, which I I hope I think that's hopefully a good thing that on the flip side of that, I'm just inclined to say yes, which has sometimes been a blessing. But sometimes it's like you can't you can't agree to it. So she called me and she was like, how are you going to do that thing? Like, why why did you say yes to that? She was like, how much you can't you know, this is going to be a problem. You just can't say yes to everything. Um, particularly like when we're, we have to make decisions, right? We're trying to build this next big thing. You, you know, it's going to be a challenge. Sometimes you just have to say no. <clears throat> and I very much believe in the power of being judicious and assessing your time and thinking about when you say yes and when you say no. But it, it was even more funny personally because I went to my husband and I said, um, you know, our partner is a woman named Aaron. I said, Aaron said that, I, you know, I never say no. <laughs> of course, he was like, oh, you say no to me all the time. And I was like, <laughs> 
<laughs> was like, I was thinking. Like, but actually, can you name? I said, name a few times. I said, name two times. Like, I was like, once you want to go to Bangkok, and I was like, no, because there's no reason for why. Like, are you working there? Like, I don't. I was like, tell me another time. And literally, we've been together. We started dating 19 years ago. We've been married for 13 years. He could only think of two times in that time that I had really said no. Not like, which movie do you want? But like, really said no about anything. And I was like, that's crazy. That's like that shit crazy. Mm. And I was like, I really have to think about, am I too eager to get things done? Am I too much a believer in things being possible that it is derailing like the fullness of my happiness, my full self-care, my potential, and, the, and like, honestly, protecting my time. Um, and I, this is literally two days ago. So it's something that I have been like, just in real time thinking through, like, it's always been my philosophy to believe in the power of yes, but it can't be to my detriment, right? So I'm dealing with that right now, trying to think through what's the balance, uh, particularly as you kind of get to the back nine of life of like, well, sh- I don't know, I'm 45. Like, I got to get the best out of what I do moving forward. If I'm just yesing everybody on me all day, <laughs> how am I going to be my best self? So y'all, y'all keep me your thoughts. <laughs> that's, that's so powerful, girl, especially because like you said, a lot of your success has come because you've said yes, while other people have said no. So mm. finding that balance of when to say yes, when it makes the most sense, and then also having the self um, care or the self respect to also say no to people yeah. when it's not yeah. right yeah. for you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, girl, we're going to help you. Me and Jamie are going to text you, make sure that you keep saying no to people, even though you said yes to this panel. <laughs> Um, and Jamie, thinking of how quick that was, by the way, I was just thinking about this. So when, I mean, listen, I would do anything Dia Sims or, or Lisa Bell, you asked me to, <laughs> just to put that out there. But I just remember the second Lisa, you texted about this panel, Dia was like, yes. And I remember that moment. I was like, oh, me too. But uh, I just, yeah, that's so funny. That's so funny. I didn't know that Dia. So I'm going to so pray you start you, saying Jamie? no. Oh, how much time do we have? I mean, <laughs> listen, I, <laughs> I have figured out in my life how to go through some crazy stuff, how to uh, really feel like I'm worthy of being in a room, uh, really feel like I'm worthy of leading a big company. I have gone through a lot of stuff that I figured out um, how to believe I'm, I'm worthy for, I'm worthy of, uh, but there's stuff I still struggle with every day. I think that, I think we're all works in progress. And I think that, you know, to this day, I don't know that I've met a single, I've had the blessing, just like the two of you have of meeting some amazing people that I just thought were going to be my mentors from afar that I maybe would never meet them and they'd be my mentors in my life. And I've had, had the blessing and honor of meeting a lot of them. And I'd realized, oh, wow, they all still have the same stuff. They all still deal with imposter syndrome. They all still have days of, of self-doubt. And so, you know, for me, there's a ton of stuff. I still, I still, um, you know, read. So, so launching this book, I, I just decided to go full out and ask uh, even some people I've never met, would they read it? And would they, would they give me their feedback? And uh, that, that was big for me. Uh, to think I was worthy of that and just to go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but listen, every day I, right now, um, I'm someone who launched a, a business around this idea of every woman's beautiful and not just because you wear makeup, but you're, you're, you're equally beautiful on the days you don't want to wear makeup. Like, you know what I mean? All that stuff. And, and yet I still deal with body doubt like every day. Right. And I've, I've talked to so many other just powerhouse women that are like, 
you know, law professors, this, that, whatever, and they still let it affect their own self-worth, whatever size dress they're fitting in that day. Right. And so, you know, every single day of my life, that's still a battle right now to, instead of feeling like I am not enough because of my body, feel like, wow, like shift it and think like, what a blessing I'm alive. What a blessing I can actually sit here and project vocally out of my body to share space with the two of you. Right. Like I'm really working every day to try and flip that script and, and, and think of my body as a blessing, but that's something that I still get in my head about right now. I'm embarrassed to admit it, but it's true. So my dream is for Dia to say no. And for me to like rock a bikini and shake my cellulite with pride. Like that's what I'm about right now. All right. So I love that so much. Sorry, as you were talking, I was trying to grab the things. Guys, 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 I literally wish I had another three hours with these women. But seriously, their words, what they have done, what they have achieved, go freaking check out their, in the virtual world of Philly, go check out their booths so you can get some of the, the goodies. You can make sure that you follow them, get the book, get the drink, drink while you're reading the book. Um, and then yeah. also at the same time, watch Women of Impact. But seriously, guys, everything we've been talking about here really is just ultimately about taking ownership of your life, not waiting for other people, but understanding you are your own hero. You are your own hero that can achieve whatever you freaking want. You just have to believe it. So until next time, guys, thank you, Philly. Big shout out to my homies, Philly, for partnering with us on this. Until next time, go be the hero of your own life. Peace out.